0: This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting, different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome, board folks. Dr. Charles Parker here, back again for a very interesting conversation at Core Brain Journal. I mean, folks, just think about it for a second. Is there any conversation that we've had with anybody here that is not interesting, that's boring? I mean, we have some very, very interesting guests, and it's just a real privilege for me to have the opportunity to introduce them to you. So tonight we have Diana Dentinger, who is coming to us from Torino, Italy, my friends. Yes, right across the Atlantic. Thanks so much for coming and joining us, Diana. appreciate it.
1: Well, you're welcome. Thanks for the invitation. I'm so excited we get to share our geeky brain stuff with people <laughs> to enlighten their day and, and lighten up a little bit on this topic that seems so complex. Let's simplify things for people today.
0: I mean, it's funny, even the word neuroscience is overwhelming to some people, but I really appreciate your attitude in our pre-talk about where, how you're approaching it and so on. Some things that Diana is going to tell us about, folks, is... Unlocking your brain, your inherited emotional memory with get this keywords. And we're going to find out a little bit about how she discovers keywords, what she does with them and how she unblocks people and how all of that works. She is a person who is a personality, life purpose and untapped potential coach. She's been coaching for a long time as a best selling author and international speaker with over twenty-five years of experience as a personal and professional development corporate trainer. You know, I'm reading this and I'm thinking that you may not want to be called a coach because it kinds of, you know, coaching has a little it diminishes you a little bit in terms of who you are from what you're talking about in your bio here. But she is, and this is the thing we want to draw you to here in the beginning, and we're gonna mention it again in the end. She's a creator of the personality and needs profile that gives you an x-ray vision into your innate talents your main behavioral drives and predictable challenges, things that are gonna be a problem for you. After years of research and becoming a neurobiology therapist, get this neurobiology therapist, she fits right in, she elaborated the profile based on her experience as a psychosomatic illness therapist, unblocking psychosomatic illnesses with the power of, I'll say it again, key words. Inherited emotional memory, memory, images, and keywords reside inside of our brains and our consciousness fields. They make us get this automatic creatures of habit. We've never heard that before with information, and we don't really pay attention as we should to the best information to get the best version of ourselves. Knowing your own keywords, your own inherited emotional memory allows you to reach mental clarity, emotional balance, and spiritual evolution. So what Diana's going to share with us tonight, she shares secrets from symbology, etymology, love that word, and advanced 21st century neurobiology for you to live in a more fulfilling and meaningful way, being who you are meant to be. You can find out more about Diana's work, and this is her website, dianadentinger.com. We'll spell it out for you at the end. So stay tuned. So listen. How did you become, Diana, such a deep person? First of all, that's kind of a global question, but the one (laughs) I'd like you to lead into right after that is how did you get into this kind of interesting, nichey subsection, this geeky thing over here, where you, in Italy of all places, one would think that everybody's so advanced in the States, but here you are in Italy doing a very advanced work. So how did you go from the interest that you have getting into the actual application of the work? That's a big question.
1: Well, let's start back in the 1960s. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. To make a long story short, I come from a Midwestern family of over 250 blood relatives. And when I was in corporate training at the end of the 1980s, using those Ridiculous psychometric tests that say you're one of four types. I was like, no way. I mean, yeah, I couldn't put my 250 blood relatives in four categories. I was like, no way. Now, people, each person just like our fingerprint we are each a unique human being so I was already I was like okay there's got to be a way and so I went to and you know was certified in the mainstream kind of business performance assessments behavior models and you're one of four or one of eight or four of 16 and and I like yeah well but there's more you know there's more to this Mm -hmm. and That's when I'm very, if you want to call it divinely guided, or I feel like I've just got a really good guardian angel that's always putting me on the right path. And asking this question, I'm like, okay, I've got to find a way so people can know themselves better. And then one evening, you know, I've got four kids and the younger kids had a little bit of a fever and it was sort of a winter, cold, rainy, kind of snowy day. But I just feel, I read that there's this conference and you know, when light bulbs go, go off in your brain, you're like, this is where I have to be. So, you know, I, I go and it totally changed my life path. So it was a conference about psychosomatic illnesses and the route really for, for the listeners right now to simplify everything about the brain. You're going to want to know what information it contains. Okay. And so, you know, from this conference that I went on and studied, you know, five years with this group of French and, and German and Italian, let's say therapists, sociologists, psychologists. So at the moment, this is really, really important, okay, because it'll give you automatically keys to lighten up, okay? One, in the magic moment when your father and mother are making love and you are conceived in that magic moment you get DNA from both of them and these cells start to divide and you become this unique DNA thing and then the brain is formed, right? Well, what's inside this DNA is not just how tall you're going to be, the color of your eyes, the color of your hair. What it also contains is emotional memory. So when the brain forms and especially let's say, the limbic part of the brain, which is that middle brain, which has no language, but it's emotionally run, you know, where a lot of our decisions are made. So the automatic brain, which is triggered emotionally, and then it just gives an automatic response. That's that part of the brain. It actually contains, to simplify it, it sort of like contains snapshots. A snapshot of an ancestor who was in difficulty, And that ancestor, it's a snapshot of a freeze frame when an ancestor could not give a response of fight or flight. They were stuck in a no solution freeze frame. So it's as if in the DNA, when the brain is formed, what that middle brain has are snapshots of freeze frames of conflicts and their emotional conflicts. And then these emotional conflicts go to form the cells, and the cells form the tissues. And here we can tie in, let's say, something a little bit, call it Chinese medicine, where in these emotional parts of the middle brain, these snapshot pictures, the emotional pain is on a frequency of a certain organ. So for example, when you have the fear of death, when that is in the snapshot, because it's an emotional memory from your genealogy in the formation of the cells of the lungs, there's predictable fear of death. Just as in the formation of the liver and the gallbladder there's rancor deeper kind of anger so every organ because what we've under, what we're understanding actually about behavior is that the nervous system picks up external stimulus right and it's actually sort of like the vibration of the organs will have you feel emotionally the emotion that is stored in them because you inherited it. Interesting. And I'm not too sure. You ask me questions if you're understanding
0: them. Because while you're going down this path, I'm walking down this path with you, and one of the things that occurs to me is there's a certain a significant biology that does occur that's measurable that we've talked to some professionals about that you're going to be interested in. I don't know if you're... Familiar with uh, epigenetic malformations, yes. and stress, and you would like you're going to like Dr. William Walsh and the whole thing. I think I mentioned this briefly when we started talking offline, but that whole methylation process—just using methylation as one of the several problems—creates a kind of personality profile that's based on the generations that came before. So, from a biomedical point of view, and you may know this, for just go ahead and tell me if I'm inappropriate in telling you this, but the bottom line is generations can have problems that then arise. And the good news is exactly what you're talking about. We can measure these things now more accurately than we ever could before in the entire history of humankind. It's a completely different world. And what happens is this is where neuroscience goes past mystery into the reality of everyday life. So what you're talking about is real. And I And by the way, for listeners, that Dr. Walsh recording, all four of them are listed at corebrainjournal.com forward slash 115. That's the biology of it. But let's go back to Diana and talk about how that plays out because it sounds very similar to where you're going with what you're thinking about right there.
1: So let's say for the listeners, the bottom line is anytime you are feeling an emotion, you have to know that you inherited that so it has nothing to do with your personal identity of who you are especially negative emotions because those are the ones that stress us the most so i'll put it in the category of negative emotions you mm-hmm. know not to, not to be judgmental or the but say the emotions that are more challenging like mm-hmm. anxiety the
0: stress emotions uh,
1: depression yeah. or so these kind of emotions um, yeah these kind of emotions you inherited because someone else before you had a situation that they couldn't handle, and so you take it on as a life project. Yes. So instead of identifying yourself with that emotion as in, oh, I am depressed, I am agitated, or I am a panicky person, I am, and giving yourself a label, you really wanna tell yourself, Hey, wow, I guess, you know, my great grandmother had this kind of thing. Cool. I've got a project. I'm even though I feel it and physically you feel that emotion Mm -hmm. and like I said, it's in an organ and it comes up and then all of a sudden your brain turns on this dramatic over exasperation of it, right? (laughs) Instead of identifying with it, you want to thank any negative emotion, and sort of like look over your shoulder and say, Wow, geez, there was someone back there in my genealogy that had this kind of issue. And now it's my opportunity to switch it in the positive. And this is where, you know, the personality profile comes in because with these, I'll call them personality needs, another good word could be archetypes, mm. with these personality needs, you see the predictability of behavior. For example, take someone like oh gosh, I don't want to get her name wrong. Mel is it Mel Gibbons, the one that does the five second rule where you count backwards
0: to no, start I don't know something? That I don't know myself, but just stay with it. Don't worry about it. Somebody'll get it. Yeah.
1: yeah, and so she was talking about panic attacks. Well, the panic attack comes because the nervous system, so it's, she inherited the nervous system as, let's say, the weakest system or the system where the stored emotional memory is going to show up first,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the coping and, strategy and so, is limited based on, based on the maladaption over epigenetic change over years.
1: Yeah, and, and so you know, she talks about the panic attacks. Well, for me, I would put that in my archetype, what I call the innovative archetype and it really is the person that always needs to start start begin so they'll have more of um a feeling of panic every time they they hesitate well if a lot of times what happens is even at the moment of their birth like the moment of their birth was so fast and unexpected that You know, nurses or doctors went in panic or, you know, a mom broke her water unexpectedly and there's all this panic at the time of the beginning of her life. And when you can detach from the emotions and really feel that they're just a challenge that you inherit. And then you, you know, you can pause or, you know, what I call like the, like the six seconds to breathe in. You got to learn to breathe. People really need to learn to breathe deeper pause, count to six, feel your heartbeat because your, your mind and your, your heart can't work at the same time. So when you can get in your heart, then that's when you can detach your attachment to a negative feeling and say, okay, what are my positive qualities? I can yes. shift this. I can shift this now because I'm not in the emotional memory as if it were me. It's just a project.
0: Well, you objectify it it and you make it not part of yourself by conceptualizing it that way. You make it something you can do as opposed to something you can't do. Something you own as opposed to it owns you.
1: Exactly. And, you know, what I find is when we take life lighter, more playfully, more... Less attached to the identity of the negative, let's say, or the inherited emotions, because that's what they are. This inherited emotion baggage, and really feel it as an opportunity, as really as a contribution to your DNA and even all of the generations that come after you. (laughs) You know, because when when you're solving when you are what what i've seen is let's say I'm from an evolutionary standpoint now there are a lot of people that are working on themselves especially you know i'm over 50 you are too right oh yeah <laughs> so there's a big generation of people working on themselves and i'll call it energetically because there's light in our dna we're quantum beings there's this light the lighter we are as in more positive energy because we're handling ourselves better, because we're mastering our emotional ups and downs, which is really key. This is like a writer downer. The key thing in life is emotional mastery because we inherit emotional memory.
0: So let me stop you right there because this is interesting. Let's take a moment to wrap ourselves, embrace that concept a little more in a more utilitarian way, if you will. But the, and this is where you're going anyway. I'm just going to help you get there. The issue is if we have an inherited emotional memory, and we've now, in a way, and I'm using this in double quotes, depersonalized it a bit. It's not part of us. It's of us, but not us. And so we've got this thing enucleated, if you will. It's clear. It's out there. And we're working on it. How does that concept, first of all, how do you identify it as separate from yourself? That's number one. And then what is your concept of the key word association to that inherited emotional memory. How do you find the keyword? That's number one. And in a moment after we talk about that, we'll talk about how do you resolve it. So let's start. You've enucleated the inherited emotional memory and there is some kind of concept of a keyword. You can explain that. let's Let's take that down the road a little bit.
1: Okay, well, when, obviously... Let me me finish this one concept before what I was saying. So there's the generations that work on themselves now. I find that a lot of people over 50 are more awake, more open. They're lightening up. This is actually very freeing on a DNA basis for younger generations. I mean, if people notice that these younger kids, somehow they seem freer, as in they seem like they sort of know what they want to do with their life earlier. I find that the, well, maybe because I've got four kids and I see, you know, the, a lot of kids with the younger generation, I find that their evolution as in their knowing themselves, as knowing the values and the, and the integrity, this really is hand in hand. The reason why, if it's not just an egocentric thing to be happier and healthier and more fulfilled, the reason why to improve your emotional mastery and bring more light consciousness into your behavior is because it really does have a positive impact on the generations that are part of your DNA, as well as just energetically wherever you go. It's very important. And what I find the key in this is the emotional mastery. Now, if I would take a recent client and she fills out my questionnaire, which is an open-ended questionnaire with what are your challenges and how do you describe an ideal job or an ideal relationship. And so she's giving me a lot of information that she thinks it's just explaining who she is. But for me, there's information in there where I can plug it in to understanding her personality. So I, how I tie this back to then the genealogy. So she's explaining that oh gosh, since I got a divorce last year, I moved back in with my parents and my brother, and you can't imagine how painful it is every time my father sort of looks at me and you know says oh you know you know shut up, he's made too many mistakes, and she's like I don't it is so painful. Like when I talk about it now, it would be. I'm just telling you the story. When it happens, it is so painful. So looking at her profile, because like I said, I tie this into the genealogy, I'm looking for a story. And so what I see is there's a secret. I see that there's feminine energy. I see that there's like travel. I see that there's either like communication. And I ask, because this is my sort of coaching style, <laughs> I say, well, could it be possible, or do you know of a story, for example, that this is going to be very unexpected possibly for you, (laughs) Mm -hmm. for example, that your grandfather had a love affair with his secretary and they traveled together. And she says, how do you know that? (laughs) And I said, because it's in the archetypes it's in the explanation of your personality that this is a predictable story and so go back now a couple generations to this man who loves this woman and it has to be a secret which is you know for the etymology since you like words secretary is secret oh yeah but but this is just a very whatever people are good at it just comes automatically to read out this let's say story and she says, yeah, he only told my mother and I before he died because it was painful for him. And I said, well, so you have inherited this thing about secret, which is why you've also suffered from depression. And when they can't tell the secret, as in you're made to shut up, which is pretty, you know, strong word, So words I don't like, you know, <laughs> when you're made to not talk about something, it's doubly the painful for your system. And then that could be tied, let's say, to more the throat, right? Because speaking the, the, the throat area. And so with this awareness, because we're just talking, we're talking more about awareness, becoming aware that it has nothing to do with her, that the father who says unpleasant things is for her to re-step for a second into the pain and realize that in that is her life purpose. So what has she always under underneath wanted to do? Become a public speaker helping women overcome depression. But until she felt the pain of what it's like to not talk, that pain of being told to be quiet is the launch pad into what is actually the driver of her desiring the public speaking because it's it's in a dualistic thing, right?
0: Yeah. There's it's on the, the, other side the be quiet
1: yeah. and then talk all the time. Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So this clarity of oh wow, it's not anything about me personally that my father really thinks that I have to be quiet. Or that I, you know, I'm not worthy of their love anymore because I got a divorce, and that's just, you know, not what the family appreciates. It's the other person present in our life to sometimes pinch us a little bit in something painful for us to gain the awareness that that is actually our life purpose. So it's important to feel the negative emotions, but have a tool to transform that into. Oh, I got it. I got this emotion from someone else because of their story.
0: Okay. Point and of since clarification. I took it on, I got you. And yeah, since I, I asked this question, as a par- point of clarification, because I'm with you, I think it's a very interesting concept. And when you say it redefines your life purpose, I think a point of clarification, I want to ask you if I'm correct in thinking this, because it sounds like what's happening there is that person has come to grasp with something that is really external to them that is, in fact, internal and controlling them, but it's really something that's not of them. It is of the past and of other people. But then when the person actually addresses that, and this is where I think when you were talking about life purpose, there's a certain implication there that it would be to resolve that one thing. But I think it's uh, the implication that I'm hearing is that it's more metaphoric and that the silence that you had about pain are the person that the person had about pain, then turns into a more open connectedness with the meaning of pain, and it can be, in a way, suffused throughout their self-management skills throughout their life. Is that correct? Yes,
1: yeah, super. Okay. Well, metaphorically, yeah, life purpose, I find it's a little, yeah, it's, it's sort of ambiguous nowadays. There are some people that talk about life purpose as a job <laughs> where to mm-hmm, dedicate mm-hmm. their time to as in to earn money there's other people to say you know life purpose on a more spiritual plane i like the word project yeah i think I, I think that's more so she understands that her project is to have said that's enough with feeling the same pain that my grandfather felt that's enough with with feeling the pain of having mm-hmm. to be quiet yeah. now i'm going to consciously dedicate time to also learning public speaking skills because it's innate in me because of of the dualistic let's say the pain it also gives an innate talent
0: yeah to connect versus disconnect so my message is there is that i'm disconnected i feel the pain of the disconnection through my peripheral experience with my grandfather in a way but that disconnection then encourages me to connect in a constructive way rather than disconnect as a coping mechanism.
1: Right, oh, it's wonderful. See, I like to make things light and sort of simplified, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, you've got a wonderful languaging on a more technical basis of exactly yes. And so the disconnect is because the majority of people are too involved in that inherited emotional memory, thinking yeah. it's them, thinking that there's sort of like no way out of it, when you really just switch the coin, you just flip it over to the other side. And you're like, okay, well, if being told to be quiet is so painful, then talking is less painful. And it goes, let's say, like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's just like Um, changing a skill set, because what happens is that person, through no fault of their own, has developed a coping strategy with changing reality. And that coping strategy is silence and internal pain. That's the way they're coping. And they're, it's the only way they know how to cope because that's what they were epigenetically trained or however what, their biologic elements to it, whatever. But from a evolutionary point of view, for that person to evolve as a human being, they need to then own that pain and look at constructive skill sets that can actually overcome it. And overcoming it is the counterpoint, the other side of the coin that you mentioned a couple of times is the a counterpoint of actually connecting. And so the connecting solves the pain because they're not carrying secrets, they're actually talking about the resolution of pain with secrets.
1: Yeah, and they're feeling, and this is where I find even the clarity of, if you want the emotional memory, the clarity of then, let's say, the key words, as in the for her, the secretary, and the secret, and communication, and women, and this whole storyline is what then allows the person to have that confidence, which is what they need to step into instead of the disempowerment of the disconnection. Step into the confidence and say, hey, this emotionally feels so good, which is actually Upping their vitality. It's upping their energy. When you're doing what you're innately good at, and it's not, net, see, I would say she can refine the skill of being the public speaker, but she's already innately talkative and
0: communicative.
1: And that is something that's 24 7.
0: Yeah. So she's Her growing instead of frozen. She's not like right. a wife looking back. She's not a pillar of salt any longer she actually feels, you know, the blood running through her veins and making a constructive usefulness out of her life and what she's going to do with her short time on the on this planet moving along. Yeah. So how do you as a therapist who's really thinking about the neurobiology of this and the stuckness and the arrested development that is associated with this, how does an individual select or what do you do in terms of selecting? Do you have Then, based on what you just conversed about, several keywords, or do you say, look, this is the metaphoric keyword that will always take you back to your internal project? For example, with her, it might be secret. How do you work that out with the multiplicity of keywords that you were just talking about?
1: Okay, let's take this back to the psychosomatic illnesses. So, in studying psychosomatic illnesses, let's say we identified 66 predictable illnesses with their predictable organs or systems Mm -hmm. involved. And each of these has a sort of keyword as well as a predictable organ, like I said, or tissue, as well as a predictable story. Even though I use the word story, it's actually an eighth of a second. An eighth of a second in the genealogy, someone did not fight or flight, they froze. And that information, simplifying it, that information of freezing becomes like neurons that are isolated because of the pain of not responding, of not giving an answer as in flight or fight, that it's too painful for the brain to handle, like the brain would go in overdrive or it would burn out. You know, we know that the principles of the brain as an organ, the brain functions on low expenditure of energy, which is why it's important that it has an automatic response to any stimulus that's around it, because it would burn out just like a computer over on over. So there's 66, let's say, predictable uh, situations or eighth of a second in which neurons are isolated and that story is then that story, that that freeze frame is passed down through yep. the genealogy. And so within these sixty-six Predictable illnesses then there's like I said, the story, the eighth of a second freeze frame, the word uh, that best describes what the situation was or the inherited emotional memory, and to add <laughs> complexity because you know i I prefer people to be less involved in their drama and less in their past. I prefer them to be more. In their future potential, right? Yeah. So even you know, clients of mine who were adopted, they don't know anything about their biological parents. But even in filling out the questionnaire, for me, it's understandable what their parents even were going through in the decision then to put them up for for adoption, and they can feel that. So you know, there's uh, personality is what I say complex. There's twelve different facets of personality which are different than been areas of life and so in each facet of our personality we have an inherited emotional memory so we're we're blending and mixing different emotional memories at the same time which is obviously why i recommend getting a precise tool to just get the clarity of predictably on a bad day this will trigger trigger me this will pinch me this will be painful but you know what these are all of my talents. This is what I do innately well. This is what I love to do. This is who I am. This is who I how I energize myself with affirmations. This is the project I'm supposed to be carrying forward to progress and evolve.
0: Yeah, I like uh, that word project. I'm totally with you. And we're kind of running out of time here. Diana Dentinger from Torino, Italy, folks. She's come all the way across the Atlantic. A lot, most of our listeners are in the U.S., but we have a global audience. So the issue is we got a lot of listeners, uh, Diana, over there in, in Europe and South Africa, and we have them in China, as a matter of fact. So the issue is we really appreciate you coming on board. I want to make sure we highlight a couple of ways to contact you. I wanted to make quick reference to your book, Modus Vivende, Your Life, Your Way. That's available on Amazon, and it's a free audio book on her website with other complimentary quizzes. Now, we talked about this quiz in the beginning, and we want to emphasize this free quiz over at DianaDentinger.com, D-I-A-N-A-D-E-N-T-I-N-G-E-R.com, and she has another page of life-changing resources over at that website. So you, she's loaded with great information. A lot of it's complimentary. And I think it's really important to go over there. And let me just close with a little bit of highlight of what's in your book so people will have an idea of what that's all about.
1: I take people, or let's say the person goes through a journey of letting go who they aren't, all of the attachment to the identities of roles and responsibilities, and then into a journey of discovering which of these needs, which of these personality needs drive their behavior, their innate talents to then, yeah, live, I say happier, healthier and more fulfilled. Because really the key with this personality profile is not just to know who you are and an innate talent. It is the connection, you know, this was our conversation. It's the connection to who you are in your set of innate talents that actually keeps you healthy. Because if you are disconnected and you don't have that clarity, that is when the automatic programs of the emotional yes. memories stored in those predictable organs will start to deteriorate.
0: Diana, I don't know anybody that's automatic, do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just join the political scene over here in the good old USA, and you'll, you'll be able okay. to see automatic, okay? Okay.
1: Well, the listeners know I was born in Chicago and grew up in the Midwest. It's I just, funny. You know.
0: I was thinking Chicago. I didn't really say anything to you, but I'm like, she has got to be from Chicago. I was I should have said <laughs> it because uh, I'm an old Midwest guy myself. I grew up in Missouri and Indiana, and uh, it's like it's hard to miss somebody from Chicago, the Windy yeah. City. But anyway, so, folks, we do have to wind up. Please Diana Dentinger. Take the free quiz. That will get you started. She did it for a reason. She wants to help those of us who are out here talking about these developmental opportunities. That's what they are. She's taken her time from beautiful Torino, Italy, to say, here's some opportunities, and I'm giving them to you because this will then put your quiz section. It's a quiz section for me, but it's going to help you quiz yourself so you can actually develop and use this uh, material constructively and then then there's a book modus vivende your life your way thank you so much diana for coming on board we really appreciate it
1: well thank you chuck it's been a pleasure and wishing everyone a wonderful day
0: we're going to do it again sometime girl sure will all right you have a good one
1: okay you too
0: bye-bye now thanks for listening to core brain journal We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive, misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications, like those written for ADHD, are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.